Well, welcome, and uh, whether you're joining us online or joining us in the room, we just hope you're blessed by being with Access Church this weekend. A couple of quick announcements before I hand over to Caitlin Smith, who's bringing us uh, the message tonight. Woo! We're excited for that. So, a couple of quick points uh, to to just inform you of. Um, been conducting a survey in the last few weeks about This Is Our Family, the video announcements we've been doing. So I just want to thank you for everybody who's taken the time to respond to that survey and we'll be uh, taking some action in response to all of that feedback. So thank you. Um, If you were paying attention to This Is Our Family, you would have noticed uh, that we're starting this Come Together series next weekend. Now the realisations dawned Uh, I'm pretty slow, I know, but the realisations dawned this week. We're staying this series called Come Together, and actually our facility here doesn't really have a place to come together. And so uh, a group of people are going to get to the restrictions of change and the bulk of our kids can now be in the indoor room. Restrictions of change. What a need presently for the large tents to be on that side of the building. So this Wednesday, if you happen to be free at five o'clock, you can come and assist for the large tents to be on that side of the building. So this Wednesday, if you happen to be free at five o'clock, you can come and assist us here. Come to the area to gather. And so that's going to be really important going forward to have a space um, to gather after services, before service, etc. So um, if to services, before service, etc. So um, if you happen to be free, five o'clock this Wednesday, please help us come and, and move that tent across to the other side and we'll aim to have it done before dark. That will be the challenge. So it's the last weekend of school holidays. I just want to say this quickly, but not dismiss the significance of it, that many of you are heading back into school environments this week. Uh, whether that's as students, as teachers, as staff members in schools, maybe you're a principal, maybe you're a teacher's aide, you have all different roles in education. And I just want to pray a blessing over you as you go into this new year. And if you're watching online, if you're joining us there, you can also stand and join in this prayer in just a moment. God is interested in education. God is interested in all aspects of our life. Colossians 3 says, so whatever you do, whatever you do, Do it as a representative of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do. So as you go into this new school year, many of you students, many of you staff, uh, you do that as a representative of Jesus. You do it as unto the Lord. And I'm not going to ask you to come up the front right now, but I'm going to ask you to stand right where you are, if you work in a school as a staff member or if you're heading to university, if you're studying in some way this year, and that will be many, many of you, I want you to just stand right where you are and we're going to pray together. So so stand right where you are and I'm going to pray a blessing over you right now. If you're a student, there's some students up the back, I think. Why don't you stand and join us in this prayer? If you're a student, if you're a staff member in a school, if you're involved in education, stand and join in this prayer. Lord, we pray a blessing over these people standing right now. We know that you're interested in their learning this year. May 2021 be a year of flourishing, a year of amazing growth, a year where these both as learners, as teachers, as mentors, God, grow them. May they grab a hold of this scripture, whatever they do or say in 2021, they do it as a representative of our Lord Jesus. 
giving thanks to God the Father through him. So through him. So God strengthen them, give them capacity this year to a capacity that only comes from you. Let them be surprised at their achievements of what they do in this coming year. We pray for great relationships for them in their learning environments. We pray for good listening skills. We pray for concentration skills. We just pray for a great year of flourishing as they head into this new year of learning. Let your grace be very real to them in this coming year. And Lord, as Caitlin comes to share with us now, we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to use her to inspire us all to walk a little closer with you. Her to inspire us all to walk a little closer with you, to understand your love and your grace and your calling on our lives. We give you thanks in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. I asked the guys uh, before we started here this evening, I said, so guys, what should I do? Should I wear a lapel mic headset like Madonna? Or should I use the handheld? And Tim <clears throat> Weatherill, who's sitting in the back uh, mixing all of this, said to me, Caitlin, you definitely need to use the handheld. You need something to do with your hands. Bless you, Tim. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Listen, so 2020, 2021 has kicked off. We're three weeks in, a week in. We had our first lockdown. Bless COVID. Is there anybody in the room here that sets goals for themselves or sets a New Year's resolutions? You're a New Year's resolution person. Nicole, you're definitely a New Year's resolution. Anybody else? Oh, okay. Fantastic. You start at the beginning of the year praying and thinking, I start at the beginning of the year praying and thinking, okay, what's this year going to be about? What's our theme? Yes? Awesome. So I have some friends that that's what they do. The coolest theme that I ever heard for their family was the... they labelled their year the year of the rock star. I thought that was the coolest thing. They are a musical family, so that made sense. And I thought to myself, one day, one day I want to name my year the year of the rock star. But I'm really not so good at that. I'm not so good at New Year's resolutions. I'm not so good at setting them up. Look, to be honest with you, I feel like I'm setting myself up to fail, which never feels good. So I don't do it. But this year, Aaron and I, we decided... So Aaron's my husband, I'm going to get to that in just a second. But this year, Aaron and I decided, let's set some goals for our year. Let's set some goals so they're going to be, so they're going to be uh, framed in a particular way. So that we know that our year, when we get to the end, hopefully we've achieved some stuff that really God has placed on our hearts. So let me just quickly talk about our family. So Aaron is my husband. There's going to be a picture of him up on the screen in just a second. I call him my main squeeze. He's pretty cool. He and I have actually known each other since I was 16. Um, he was married at the time and I will admit I had a slight crush on him. Not good. But uh, years down the line, so about five years ago, babe, um, God just came, brought our paths back together. Again, crazy story. I was over in the States at a funeral and a dear friend had passed away and up, up, up popped um, Aaron's profile on Facebook and I was like, oh my gosh, Aaron Smith. Within a week, we'd been chatting, chatting back and forth and I have to admit and have to tell you that without a doubt, I knew that God was at work. And there's a story behind that that I'm not going to share tonight. Um, maybe another time if Jono doesn't get too many bad ratings from tonight. <clears throat> Anyway, so Aaron's my main squeeze. He is a good bloke. He's one of these guys that reminds me when to be compassionate and, uh, and, and it, it catches me out of the blue sometimes. So we had this little girl, Maddie. 
Maddie is turning four in March. Maddie is um, at about 12 months, 18 months. Maddie was diagnosed um, on the autism spectrum disorder. She is an absolute life delighter. She makes us laugh. She makes us scream. She's incredible. She seriously is one of the most joyful things in our life. Maddie is a sister, sister Emma. Emma is... Um, an incredible chick. She's just beautiful. Uh, she's engaged to be married to a guy on the Majolan and they have three fur babies. I don't know how they do it, two cats and a little dog that rolls around. Well, I can't talk about that because we have two dogs. I'll get to that in just a second. Maddie also has two other sisters and I mention this because what I'm gonna go on and talk about is hope, is, is this enduring hope that things that we think are lost, God can redeem. So Maddie has two other sisters that we at the moment don't have any contact with. Um, we're still praying and hoping that God makes a way for that. But these two little blighters up on the screen now, Bear and Archer. Archer is the newest addition to our family. He's the little white guy there. He runs around and chases Bear. I kid you not, his head, Bear, I think Archer's entire size is almost Bear's head. So he nips at Bear's tail um, and at his heels and they run around. They've brought so much joy to our life. It's incredible. That's our little family. And I wanted you guys to know that and to see a little bit of who we are. So let's get back to these goals. So I said to Aaron, okay, what are we going to do for 2021? One of the goals, and I'm not telling you it's the top goal, but it's definitely up there, is that we wanted to increase our health and fitness. So may surprise you. But back in the day, around probably five and a half, six years ago, um, let's just note that that's when Aaron and I got together. Um, prior to that, well, they call it the love bubble. Prior to that, I was a gym junkie. I ran probably 10Ks five times a week. I lived in New Farm. There was a 10K loop. I loved it. There was nothing better than getting out running and concentrating on nothing other than breathing. <sighs> it was so good. I felt good, I felt fantastic, I experienced and enjoyed life. And Aaron and I with our little three, four-year-old girl who is, is a tyke, we thought, we can barely lift this chicken. Let's actually, let's actually work on that because that's going to improve our health and well-being, that's going to improve our life, that's going to improve uh, the way that we interact and the way that we enjoy our daughter, our family. One of the things for you, I'm not going to talk about exercise all night, by the way. But one of the things that you guys, some of you guys will know, that uh, I, you, some of you might appreciate this. I joined a gym <coughs> and I've been a few times. And uh, one of the times I went in there and I, I had a PT that just went through a program and she had me doing some leg press and she had me doing some, what is this, chest press. She had me doing a few other things. And the next day I was like... Ugh. I had a little scratch on my head and I couldn't actually bend my arm up to my head. I had to take my head down to scratch my head. Many of you in the, in the room, if you've done exercise and, that, and enjoyed, need I say that, that pain, the exchange is worth it, right? Being able to walk up a hill and not absolutely feel like I'm going to die is worth it. Being able to lift up my daughter and give her a cuddle and hug her and help her to climb a tree or whatever it is, it's worth it. That exchange is worth it. Tonight, 
And this weekend, we've got an incredible message with Tammy and, and this message hopefully is incredible. Anyway. Um, I want to talk about a grand exchange, an exchange that far beats and far outweighs exercise exchange. Because <laughs> who wants to talk about that all night? The thing that I know is that it actually is, though, it's worth it. The exchange is worth it. So I want us to read together, and it's going to be on the screen, but if you have your Bibles here, um, Isaiah 61, I want us to read that together tonight. I'm actually going to read from the New King James Version, which um, is probably not always done, but let's read it, okay? Here we go. So it's actually, this chapter is entitled, The Good News of Salvation in this in this version and other versions, the good news for the oppressed. But let's read. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptance, acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. To, give the, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And they shall rebuild the old ruins, they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the ruined cities. The desolations of many generations, strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the foreigner shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But you shall be named the priests of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honour, and instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion." Therefore, in their land they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. For I, the Lord, I love justice. I hate robbery for burnt offering. I will direct their work in truth and will make with them an everlasting covenant. Their descendants shall be known among the Gentiles and their offspring among the people. All who see them shall acknowledge them, that they are the posterity whom the Lord has blessed. <clears throat> I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. And as bride adorns herself with jewels, as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, for as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown into spring forth, so the Lord, the Lord God, will cause righteousness and praise to spring before all the nations. Father, Tonight and this weekend as we take some time out of our weeks to gather together, to come together, to worship you, to hear a, a word that you've laid on hearts, God, would you open our ears to hear what it is that you have to say? Would you open our minds to accept it and our souls, God, let them be moved to move more towards you, Father. My biggest prayer is that in this space, in this group of people, as people are watching online, that we would know, that we would know that you are a God of restoration, that we would know that you are a God that redeems, that renews, and that we would be stepping into that and embracing that and seeking you for that, Father. 
In your precious name we pray. So I just want to give you a little bit of context. So the book of Isaiah is uh, one of the first writings of the prophets in the Bible. Isaiah is generally considered one of the greatest prophets. He was pretty well liked right up until he started telling people what for. It's kind of confronting when you let people know these are God's commands and these are God's promises can do that. The first part of Isaiah is generally, it generally carries a message of uh, basically you need to repent. You need to repent because if you don't repent, this is what's going to happen. You need to repent. This is going to happen. If you, if you don't repent, seriously, this is what's going to happen. Really plain as day. And then the next lot, Isaiah's greatest hope was that the people of Jerusalem would be purified that their idea and understanding of God would be purified. It was an announcement of hope and it was an announcement of comfort. Um, as we read through that scripture just then, there wasn't a lot of doom and gloom, right? There was lots of, hey, this is what God can do. This is what he will do. The message of hope that looks forward, it's very much too, it looks forward to the Messiah. So in chapter 61, Isaiah speaks of the good news for the oppressed, the good news of salvation, of restoration, and of what I like to kind of think of as this really grand exchange that God has going on. In verse 3 of chapter 61, Isaiah writes that all those who mourn in Zion will be, will be comforted. They will be given beauty for their ashes. Well, throughout scripture, ashes are spoken of in a way that it's about grief. People would wear ashes upon their head as a sign that they were grieving, that they were in a grieving period. And then here in Isaiah we're reading, hey, you can stop grieving. I'm going to remove those ashes and I want to give you a crown of beauty. I want you to remove those, that grief. I want you to take, let me take that away. Let me remove that and let me replace it with a crown of beauty. Ashes were an important symbol of grief and repentance. A person would wear ashes, like I said, upon their head if they were grieving. More generally, they've kind of been associated with sorrow and with purification and, and a rebirth. Look, I want you to think about, we've had bushfires not so long ago, and, and you've more than likely seen it before, but think about what happens in a bushfire. There's complete destruction, right? There's ashes, it's completely, it's just reduced to very little. And yet within two to three months, you'll see complete regrowth, reborn. So there was this idea that ashes also are about that. They're a bit symbolic to, it's actually a little bit about rebirth. For those of you who are in the room who have experienced um, the grief of losing someone that you really care for, that you love, I um, absolutely get that, that there is a depth of sorrow that you could share that I can't, that you've experienced that I haven't. There's that intense sorrow that you've, you've either felt or you're feeling and living with right now. And for others, that intense sorrow hasn't come from losing someone. For others, it's come from something different. So the circumstances surrounding our grief are always unique. They're unique. It could be death. It could be abuse. It could be divorce, the breakdown of a family. It could be shattered dreams or broken hearts. 
they'll include hurts that have been inflicted upon us, but they'll also sometimes include hurts that we inflict upon ourselves. They're always unique. The journey we take and the time we spend with our grief is unique. Growing up, there was this little yarn that my mum used to share with us and I actually think she used to share it because it's a bit wacky. And uh, when I asked her if she'd be okay with me sharing this story, she said to me, oh, as long as people don't think I'm weird. And I, well, yes, I think she's not really, to be honest with you. She's a beautiful person. I love you, mum. My mum shared this story growing up about... Um, a period of time that she carried the ashes of her parents. So let me give you a little bit of backstory to this. My mum was 12 when she lost her mother. She has three younger siblings. Her mother was pregnant, was delivering a brother. The brother was stillborn and the mother died on the table and the, and the brother was, wasn't alive. Fast forward five years and my mother lost her father. So she was 17, her father died. She still had a three siblings, three younger siblings that um, are probably, I think, five years, the eldest is five years younger than mum. And at 17, she's grappling with the grief of losing a mother, a brother and a father. And my mum's 79. Sorry, mum, she's 79. So imagine, we're not talking 10 years ago. We're talking 50, 60 years ago. 65 years ago. Times were very different. My mum very rarely shares different stories about that period and, I, and, and often I think the grief is too, too, too difficult for her to really recall what happened during that time. But this particular story, from, the seven, from age 17 onwards, she carried the ashes of her mum and her brother and her father in canisters. Wherever she went, she took them with her. So, in 1980, so again, she was born in 1942, 19, and her mother died when she was 12, her father died when she was 17. In 1980, I was five years old, my mum still had their ashes. She still carried her mum and dad's ashes and her brother's ashes. And she kept them on the top shelf in a cupboard to make sure that none of the little kids around the house would get to them. But one day she had a friend over and that friend was helping her pack. And her friend had stepped up on a stool and was reaching up, getting everything off the, off the top shelf, grabbed the canister, was shaking the canister vigorously like, Jen, that's my mum's name, sorry, Jenny. Jen, what's this? Mum yells out very calmly from the other room, oh, that's just mum and dad. And the friend completely loses it, squeals, drops the canister and it's on the ground, but fortunately nothing fell out. Two years later, they were moving again and a friend came to mum and said, Jenny, I think it's time. I think it's time you actually said goodbye to your mum and dad. And when mum was telling me a bit about this story just the other day, this is what struck me. She said to me, Caitlin, I just, I just couldn't let them go. I just wasn't ready. I wasn't... I wasn't ready till that time. And I thought, man, aren't we all like that? We walk and we experience and we spend time with our grief, whatever that looks like, differently 
Some people it'll take 20, 30, 40 years. Others, we can move on and lay it down and say farewell tomorrow. I'm not just talking about the passing of somebody. I'm talking about the heartbreak. I'm talking about the shattered dreams. I'm talking about that sense of hopelessness. It all looks different and we walk with it differently. Just uh, yesterday or the day before, Yvonne, um, Jono's wife, for those of you who don't know, she shared a post on social media. Uh, Yvonne, not so long ago, um, her father passed away. And um, these guys have have, have seriously had an incredible year of loss. Um, Jono's father had passed away earlier 2020 and then Yvonne's father and... And Yvonne shared this post and I contacted her and said, oh, do you mind if I share some of that for those who didn't see it? Because um, it's, it, it really spoke um, words that I wanted to communicate tonight. But um, before I get there, I just need to set the scene, all right? Set the scene. Yvonne is really is grieving and uh, Jono in the morning says, okay, let's go exploring. Let's, let's head off. Let's go exploring. So Jono, knowing that his wife loves the outdoors, knowing that she loves getting muddy and sweaty and wet, just absolutely loves it, thought, I know what I'm going to do. So off they trek. Off to see a waterfall, I believe, which um, is beautiful. Off they trek. Let me read this from what Yvonne posted. I came across this rock path. So as they were walking along the trail, I came across this rock path and I had to stop as it really interested me. All of the stones were different shapes and sizes, some rough and some smooth, yet it made such a beautiful pattern with its various colours and contrasts and shapes. She says, that is what the road of life is like for me. God has laid this amazing pattern out for me. The big rocks are some of my greatest joys and accomplishments, but tucked around those milestones are smaller stones where grief and sadness lays. The path is rugged, but it's beautiful at the same time. Grief comes in so many different ways. There is grief in the loss of a loved one, loss of a special relationship that you are really hoping would lead to more loss of friendships uh, due to distance or maybe changes in circumstances, a new season in your life or their life, loss of health, loss in what you expected life to be like and the list goes on and on. I'm grateful I can run to God with these times of sadness. How good is our Heavenly Father who turns these times of mourning into joy. He restores and makes things that were once broken whole again. This includes our hearts and our lives. We can't avoid those things in life, those things that bring sadness. They are a part of what makes this life a journey and actually part of what can draw us closer to our creator as we lean on him but also lean into our grief and keep walking with him. See, grief does Grief does look different for all of us. Um, And the time we spend journeying with it is unique. But the incredible process though, through this incredible process, we can absolutely know and be sure of that if we experience and trust a faithful God who promises 
He promises to exchange our ashes for beauty, as we read earlier. It's knowing and embracing that promise allows us to move forward. So knowing and embracing the fact that God does say and God does promise, I will give you beauty for your ashes. It's not a I might, it's I will bestow upon you beauty for your ashes. It's in this promise that we can surrender our grief. The t decision to surrender begins to build a path toward a grand exchange. It's not always a simple decision. I don't want to say that lightly. It's not a simple decision. It often carries with it this incredible weight. For some, it carries a sense of or a feeling of being completely unworthy. But trying to wrap your head and your heart around the idea that we could be restored when we don't believe it, when we don't believe that we are worthy of that, that we aren't broken beyond repair, that all isn't lost, that's a battle in itself. But piece by piece and step by step, surrendering that pain, that hurt and trusting, trusting that there is hope, that's when we do begin to build a path toward God. That's when we do begin to build a path toward that promise. The action of surrendering moves us closer to receiving and toward the grand exchange of beauty for ashes. Isaiah 40 verse 3 says, A voice of one is calling out, Clear the way of the Lord in the wilderness, remove the obstacles, make straight and smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Well, sometimes restoration, sometimes that exchange and getting to that place where we can and we are ready for that exchange, sometimes that means we have to clear out some garbage. Sometimes it means we have to make room. Sometimes God, it means that we need to make space for God. We need to make space for him to turn up, to show up, to be there, to be present, to remove that grief. Jono shared not so long ago about a morning that he had just after Yvonne had found out the news about her dad. He stood there and he was in worship and he said to God, God, I don't get this. I don't get it. Here I am in a place where I need to support my wife now that she's, in, she's grieving and yet I still haven't finished grieving my father. Where have you been? What's going on? And he felt like God said to him, well, when have you let me? When have you let me? Sometimes we need to make room and let God step in. I want to say that God will restore. He will restore. It is in his nature to restore. There is a song that I've latched onto and I need to hurry up. Sorry, I just saw the time. The guys that are in the um, creative arts team will know this, um, this song because I, I say often, have you heard this song? You need to listen to this song. It's so good. It's called Your Nature. And I just want to read uh, just... A verse here you bring life to the barren places and light to the darkest spaces because God it's your nature you bring joy to the brokenhearted and you hope for the ones who've lost it God it's your nature 
There is no desert, no streams, and no desert that your streams can't run to. There are no ruins that your love won't make new. You tell the wasteland that it will bloom again because it's your nature. His heart is for restoration. There are verses and chapters throughout the Bible that talk about the heart of God being about restoring. Think about the salvation plan. What was God doing with Jesus? Why did Jesus come and live a life that ended in death and then resurrection to restore us to the Father? He is about restoration. This exchange that we've talked about, look, I know that the God I serve, the God that you serve, or, or perhaps the God that you're just seeking right now, he is in the business of grand exchanges. He is in the business of restoration. He wants to receive the ashes from you so he can exchange them for beauty. Those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of spirit of despair. We can come to God and surrender our grief. We can do that. We can trust that he is true to his promises and we can receive this exchange. In the second part of verse 3, it talks about that um, we will be known as, in that exchange, that we will then be known as oaks of righteousness for the splendour of God, for his splendour. I sat with that a little bit this afternoon. I hadn't actually sat with it much. And then this afternoon it was like, ha, ha, I need to look at that. An oak tree grows slowly. It grows at its own pace. I'm not sure how a tree would grow at a different pace, but anyway. There are over 800 species, according to Dr. Google. This is the information I'm receiving. They have an interesting root system. They have one initial root that runs deep into the ground and it seeks out a dependable place to get moisture, to get feed. So it goes deep into the ground and seeks that out. And then it has a more shallow root system and it's horizontal, it spreads itself out. And if there's another oak tree nearby, it will connect in with that oak tree and their roots intertwine. It reminded me of people like you and I we live our lives and experience life in our own unique ways. We grow and we learn at our own pace, yeah? We're unique. We're way more than 800 species. I mean, we're one species, but 800 versions. <laughs> Sorry. Well, some of us might be different species, but anyway. In order to grow, this is the thing that I loved, in order to survive deserts and times of heartache and hardship, we must have a strong, deep root that grounds us to the Father. And in order for us as well to move through that grief and through that heartache, we need to have roots that stretch out and connect with others, that connect with people that we journey through life with, that we trust, that speak light and love. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep 
into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat. They're not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. What I absolutely loved about this scripture that we've looked at this week and particularly this one just before is the grand exchange of beauty for ashes. It shows us so much of the heart and the nature of God. His heart is to heal and make new and his nature is to restore all that we think is lost. And in that whole process, he makes us trees of, of, of oaks of righteousness with roots that run deep to him, with a root that runs central deep to him and other roots that spread out. Father God, for your glory, for your honour, Would we find ourselves and make a way to a place that we can surrender that heartache and that grief to you? That we can choose to embrace the promises that you have made really clear. That we can choose to trust those promises and trust in you. God, that we would receive the beauty that you want to exchange with us for the ashes that we carry. God, that we would be raised up as strong, strong, grounded oak trees that reflect your beauty, your grace. Father God, this whole grand exchange is, is so much about us seeing your nature and your heart. It's so much about you revealing yourself to us. That this grand exchange is just rooted and cemented in the fact that you are a gracious God. That your grace is unyielding that your love is unfathomable. Your mercy is new every single morning, Father. Would you call us deeper into living a life that honours you, God? Would you help us navigate through our grief so that we would be these oak trees that just display your splendor in your precious and mighty name, Jesus.